0: Dr. Jessica Kuhn helped Amy Adams talk to the aliens for the new blockbuster Arrival. And German star Vincenzo Kiefer takes on Jason Bourne. This is Pop Culture Confidential. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Christina Yerling Biro. So it's post-Thanksgiving. I hope the listeners in the U.S. or those who celebrate in other places had a really good one. And that also means that we're kind of in the eye of the Hollywood awards season storm. And there's a surprising number of really, really excellent movies coming out this season. I'm so looking forward to doing interviews and covering lots of them here on Pop Culture Confidential. Starting today with The Very Excellent Arrival. And of course, going forward, we're going to have Oscar race updates and a whole bunch of other stuff as well, television and things. So get ready for a really fun winter season here on the podcast. But on the show today, actor Vincent Kiefer had just ended a really long run on one of the most successful German cop shows ever, Alarm for Cobra 11. And he was on his way to a retreat in India when he got a call from Hollywood. It was an offer to play hacker Christian DeSalt in the latest installment of the hugely successful Jason Bourne movie series. Vincent Kiefer talks to me about working with Matt Damon, how Kevin Spacey helped his career and more. And you'll want to stick around. At the end of the show, there's a chance for our Swedish listeners to test their knowledge and take home a huge prize. We have the new complete five movie Jason Bourne Blu ray box set to give away, so stick around for that. But first, someone who also got a call from Hollywood is Dr. Jessica Kuhn. She's the associate professor in the Department of Linguistics at Montreal's McGill University. She was asked to come aboard as technical advisor on the excellent new blockbuster Arrival. Arrival is directed by Denis Villeneuve, who also made Sicario, for example. And it stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and Forrest Whitaker, to name a few. The movie is about the human and political upheaval after several spaceships touched down on Earth. Linguist Louise Banks, played by Amy Adams, is called upon to help communicate with the new visitors. There are days that define your story beyond your life. Ah! Like the day they arrived.
1: What might be called first contact. The objects measure at least. I'm Colonel
0: G.T. Weber from Army Intelligence. Pack your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. That's what they call in the UFO. She has to decipher circular ink blots that seem to be the alien language in order to understand what their intentions are, to save us from them or to save us from ourselves. It's a really, really beautiful story about communication and time. In order to ensure as much authenticity as possible in terms of linguistics and the character that Amy Adams plays, Dr. Kuhn came aboard as technical advisor to help the production figure out how you actually might start the process of communicating and understanding it all if aliens would land on Earth. Now, we've tried not to spoil the movie too much other than in the descriptions of it or whatever's in the trailer, so... I'm very honored to have linguistics professor Dr. Jessica Coon with me today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So I have so many interesting questions about your work. But first, when when the production team from Arrival approached you, what was it they needed? Yeah, that's a good question. And they actually, they didn't approach me first.
2: So first they contacted my colleague, uh, Morgan Zonderegger, who works on phonetics and phonology, so sound systems of the world's languages. And he helped them put together some of the alien sounds from the movie. Uh, so early on, you hear that these, uh, the heptapods, they're called, they they don't sound human at all. And so the filmmakers needed help putting together a very non-human Sounds And so my colleague Morgan helped them splice together various animal sounds and also helped with some of the um, visuals that you see in the film when they're analyzing the sounds using uh, different kinds of linguistic software.
0: Can I just briefly ask, do you know what animal sounds he used? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that
2: whale calls were involved. I think you hear some large cats purring. And then I think there are some ingressive Deer calls. So I guess some kinds of deer make noise by sucking air in. If I understand oh, correct. Very interesting. <laughs> so I think, yeah, those were some of the animal sounds that were involved in uh, in making the heptabods <laughs> um, sound non human. But yeah, so at some point they wanted to talk to somebody who did linguistic field work, so somebody who works on uh, understudied or underdocumented languages by going to places where these languages are spoken, so going into communities and working directly with speakers of the language in order to uh, learn about the grammars of these languages. And that's what I do in my own research. And that's the background that Amy Adams' character in the film, Dr. Louise Banks, is supposed to have. And so Morgan put them in touch with me and uh, that's how it all got started.
0: And what did they sort of ask you about and what did they do?
2: Yeah, so I did a few things for the movie. First, um, before filming began, I read a few different versions of the screenplay by Eric Heisserer, um, which is an adaptation of the short story, Story of Your Life by uh, Ted Chang. And so they asked me to just give feedback on the linguistically relevant parts of the screenplay and uh, look at how linguistics was represented in, um, you know, in the dialogue and in in parts of the screenplay. Were you happy with it? I was. I was happy with it on the whole. I mean, there are certain parts where, um, you know, I made some suggestions and they looked at it and, you know, at some point somebody said to me, you know, in the end, theoretical linguists are not Hollywood's main audience. And so... <laughs> There are going to be places where we don't get it exactly right. Um, bear with us here. And I think, you know, that's going to be true in any science fiction movie. The physicists have some parts that are going to make them cringe or, you know, really any show that represents a profession. I'm sure lawyers cringe when they watch Law and Order. So, um, you know, it, it, it certainly is true that there are parts of the film where uh, linguistics is not perfectly represented, but I think on the whole... You know, as a field, we're so happy to have a linguist as a hero of a movie um, Mm -hmm. and to have our field, um, you know, sort of given the spotlight in this way. So on the whole, I think they did a great job. More objects have landed around the
0: world. This is one of
1: 12. I'm never gonna be able to speak their words.
0: Got two days Figure something out.
1: We need to make sure that they understand the difference between a weapon A tool. It's possible. They're prodding us to fight among ourselves. This is just a way to force us to work together for once. It's more complicated than. How is it more complicated? Russia just executed one of their
0: own to keep their secret. Got 21 hours before they start global war. So, how do we clarify their intentions? I go back in. In general, in terms of linguistics, what are the big misconceptions, would you say? Yeah,
2: so the biggest misconception, um, and you see it in the movie trailer, and this is the. The part that I mentioned earlier they didn't change um, is when yeah, they didn't Forrest, change. it. <laughs> they did not change. No, even though I was like, "No, you can't say it like this." Um, is when Forrest Whitaker walks into Amy Adams's office and says, "You're at the top of everybody's list when it comes to translations," right? So. Um, a lot of people don't know exactly what linguistics is. And there's a common uh, misconception that we are just people who speak lots of languages and uh, translate lots of languages, that we're all just polyglots. Um, but this isn't true, right? There are many linguists who aren't actually very good at learning to speak other languages. Um, so it's really you know, language as a, as a cognitive science. What is it about the grammar? So we're interested in the structure of languages um, and comparing different languages and uh, looking at sort of particular af- modeling, modeling the grammars of languages and not necessarily learning to speak okay. them. Of course, <laughs> that can <laughs> help in many linguists, um, you know, become interested in linguistics because they're interested in different languages, but we're not translators. Um, and so in the film, the backstory is that she is asked to translate because she already has military clearance um, because she has done Farsi translations for them. But of course, the military is going to have Farsi translators, right? There are millions of Farsi speakers. They're not going to go bother an academic. And it turns out, so I did suggest in the screenplay that they should replace Farsi with a less commonly studied language, maybe a very small, uh, isolate language spoken in a remote village somewhere. Um, that maybe she would have worked on, uh, and Eric Heisserer did change this in the script, but it didn't make it into the film. So they did listen, but then it got cut.
0: Okay, <laughs> well I guess that's Hollywood. If that if, if that's what when I'm I'm sure you have to buy a few things when you get to get it right. Um, what kind of questions did Amy Adams have for you specifically when preparing for the role?
2: Yes, yeah, so I got to have lunch with Amy Adams, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and she wanted to know just sort of basic things about, you know, what linguists do. She was very relieved to hear that we aren't all polyglots uh, that just speak lots of languages. I think she was nervous about how many languages she was supposed to speak. Um, and she wanted to know, you know, sort of generally, what's it like to be an academic? What's it like to be a woman in academia? She wanted to know about doing fieldwork. Uh, we had a really nice conversation. I think she was just interested in understanding the background of her character a little bit more.
0: And and they looked a little bit at you as well. I understand. And what did they look at? Yeah. So I I mean I I gave
2: feedback on the screenplay, but then I worked a lot after that with the set design crew, um, and that was a lot of fun. And I had never really thought about how much work goes on behind the scenes of a movie, but. Uh, There was so much attention to detail. They came to my office, they borrowed all of my books, they took pictures of everything. Her office in the movie looks sort of eerily like a McGill linguistics office. (laughs) Uh, It looks very, very similar. What, What
0: kind of things are in your office that Amy has in hers? Uh, just little
2: decorations. There's some scene where you see, I have them like a Mayan weaving on my wall and they found one somehow and they put it on her wall and just, you know, even the filing cabinets, I have some magnets on mine with postcards or, uh, you know, drawings that my kids made stuck around and yeah, her office, it it looks, (laughs) it looks very similar. Um, yeah, so a lot of the, the visual aspects of linguistics they wanted me to help with. So they took pictures of my blackboard, which had, you know, various scribbles on it from meetings with students. Uh, and then at some point they called me and they said, you know, Jessica, we're we're trying to draw on the blackboard and it just doesn't look quite right. Can you just come down to the set and draw something on the blackboard? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One of the funner moments for me that sort of, um represents you know how much thought i think the set design people have to put into this was they called me up or they brought me into the set where the um, military tents are and they said okay now imagine you've just been helicoptered here and it's your job to decipher this alien language um, and you have a team of military cryptographers you're in charge What's on the whiteboard? What's the to do list? What do you do first? And then what do you do next? What are you telling people to do? Which is something that i had never had to think about, of course, how would I translate an alien language. Um, but it, yeah, it was, it was fun.
0: But getting into that, you're based in Montreal, but as you were saying before, you often travel like to Chiapas and in and, and, and Mexico and you research Mayan language. And, and, and now you were saying that they asked you to do this. So when you're confronted with a totally different language, where would you start? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so
2: with human languages, we have a really big head start. So an important discovery of linguistics is that even though human languages can sound very different from one another, and certainly their grammars are different, and we know as adults that it's difficult to learn another language because there are a lot of differences that you don't necessarily think about um, just as a speaker of a language. But uh, discovery of linguistics is that languages have certain core properties in common. And uh, as linguists, we know that certain grammatical properties also tend to cluster together, or there are sort of recipes that the grammars of different languages follow. So um, as somebody who works on human languages, I know that if I find a certain property, I might be very likely to find a cluster of other properties. Um, So even working on less studied languages, like languages of the Mayan family, we have sort of a head start working on human languages because um, we know some of the universal patterns that languages follow. And of course, when it comes to alien languages, we know absolutely nothing, right? (laughs) So this is what makes Amy Adams's job very different from the job of a uh, field worker working on human languages is we just don't know how different uh, an alien language could be from human languages, how different their cognitive systems could be from ours, how different their perceptual systems could be from ours. Um, so I think going into it, it's hard to guess. You know, how long would this take? Would it be possible to become totally fluent in? Uh, an alien language. But the the tools that we use as field workers, I imagine, would still apply, right? So we're we're looking for patterns in the grammar, and we're trying to um, match up sounds, or in the case of the movie, symbols with, um, you know, the context, what we're acting out or pointing at. So
0: you would approach and, ta- and try to show things and, and visualize? Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. So I think, In the movie, they do a nice
2: job of, uh, you know, there's sort of this montage scene where you see Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner working with the heptapods and acting out scenes and pointing to things and presumably getting the alien translations for these different um, uh, concepts. And I think, you know, that is exactly what what linguists would do in this situation. The question of how successful would we be, I think just depends on how different would the grammar be from ours.
0: How often do you still discover languages that that people are actually speaking? I mean, do you come across that?
2: Well, yes. I mean, there are somewhere between six and 7,000 languages currently spoken in the world. And for most of these languages, we've really only scratched the surface of their grammars. And so, you know, from a linguistics point of view, linguistics is the scientific study of human language. So we're interested in, you know, what is special about our human brains that um, allows us to learn languages? Why is it that kids learn languages so effortlessly, right? Any human baby exposed to a human language is going to learn that language because that's just what our brains seem to be built to do. Um, And so as linguists, we're interested in what is it that all these human languages have in common? What are the core properties? Uh, What is our genetic endowment for language look like? Um, What's specific to language? What's related to other parts of our cognitive system? And then what are the ways in which languages can vary? Um, So as I said earlier, of course, languages are different from one another, but this variation seems to be constrained. But Because we're interested in having a theory of human language, it's crucial that we look at as many languages as possible to make sure that our theory can account not only for more commonly studied languages like English and German and French, but also uh, less studied languages like Mayan languages or other indigenous languages um, around the world. And so studying these languages is really urgent because many of them are endangered uh, and might no longer be spoken unless serious efforts are made to um, to revitalize them.
0: The movie, without spoiling too much, but it but it makes very sort of interesting points about um, language and communication really having deeper meaning and and, and learning. Latin. And and I grew up myself with three languages at the same time: English, Spanish, and Swedish. And 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 I can still sort of feel that when if I tell a story in one of the three different languages, it, it's different. And I don't mean Gra- grammatically, I mean, sort of where the punchline is and things like that. And is it that way that there is sort of a different, um, not just cultural, but different meaning or different, a deeper meaning in different languages? Do you understand what I what I mean?
2: Yeah. That? So these things are hard to tease apart. the The Sapir Whorf hypothesis plays a big role in the movie, and this is the hypothesis that the language that you speak or the languages that you speak uh, determine or constrain how you view the world. Um, But crucially, the hypothesis is about the grammar of the language constraining your view of the world. And studies have shown that there is no evidence that speaking a different human language um, has any real significant effect on uh, perception, say. And so this is sort of an interesting thing about the movie. The movie, of course, is science fiction, right? And so it's interesting to think through, well, how different, you know, could an alien language be and how might learning that language, um, affect your, your cognitive system. But, you know, certainly, like you say, people do have different feelings associated with speaking different languages, but I think it's, you know, there's a big question of, is that about the grammar of the language itself or is that about, who you speak those languages with, right? Of course, we might have different associations depending on uh, you know, the context in which you learn the language or the culture. Um, and mood around the people with whom you speak a certain language. Uh, So it's a a difficult
0: question to tease apart. I wanted to ask you, there's a few movies, this is not the case in Arrival, but where languages are actually developed for the movie. I'm thinking of like Star Trek Klingon and and the Na'vi in in Avatar. Is Klingon or Na'vi something you think is, did they work?
2: There is a, I'm not sure what to call it. There are people who are, called conlangers or conlanging, which is for constructed languages. And they have conferences. This is sort of a, a hobby slash obsession of many people. And there are a few linguists who are who do this as a hobby. But as a whole, as a field, this is not what we do necessarily.
0: Um, and, and finally, after being a part of this movie and it goes, have you f- sort of thought more about if aliens would have a language, and what would it be? And did it get you thinking uh, more about this?
2: Yeah, if anything, I'm nervous that if aliens do show up, somebody might call me now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly has forced me to think a little bit, you know, like I said, when the set guys came in and said, what would you do? Where do you start? How would you decipher this? Uh so it's been it's been interesting it's something i had never spent any time thinking about before but now it's something that um, you know not just me but other linguists were we're talking about it on facebook it's interesting
0: and and what was your answer finally where would you start oh
2: i think at that point so that whiteboard scene was supposed to be early on where they were still trying to make progress with the spoken language and an interesting thing about the heptopods is that these aren't your typical Star Trek aliens that have two arms and two legs and a regular human vocal tract, right? So I think at some point in the movie, she asks, do they even have mouths, right? We don't know how they're making these sounds. Um, so I, I think I came up with a list of sort of phonetics terminology uh, questions you might want to know about how sounds are being produced. Okay.
0: Well, Dr. Kuhn, thank you so much. This was so interesting and and congratulations on on being part of this movie.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: Thank you so much to Dr. Jessica Kuhn. Arrival is in U.S. theaters now and premieres in Sweden on Friday, December 2nd. And now... Last year, Vincenzo Kiefer, a well-known German actor, jumped at the chance to play an Assange-type character in the latest installment of the hugely successful Bourne series, this movie simply called Jason Bourne. It's the fifth in the series and directed by Paul Greengrass, and Matt Damon is back in his role as Bourne, the former CIA assassin and amnesiac. The movie also stars Oscar winner Alicia Vikander, Julia Stiles, and Tommy Lee Jones. remember
1: everything. Remembering everything doesn't mean you know everything.
0: We've just been hacked. Could be
1: worse than Snowden. Facial recognition got a hit. Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. Why would it come back now? I volunteered. Because of a lie. You're never going to find any peace. Not till you admit to yourself who you really are.
0: Vincent Kiefer's role required a three-day shoot in London, alone in a room with Matt Damon and the production team, as his hacker character Christian Desault is confronted by Jason Bourne. I started by asking Kiefer if he had researched, for example, Assange or Edward Snowden when preparing for his role.
1: Well, uh, um, I prepared myself... More in the case uh, in, the, in the in the way of uh, WikiLeaks, you know. This is what I, what I, uh, yeah. Because I, I, I think I, I thought um, that that Christian saw is more like more like him, maybe. because he's not he's not really an insider who is a whistleblower. He is the guy where the whistleblowers go to, and he is the guy who wants to to share the information he can get from those whistleblowers with the with the world. And um, this, is, this is the way I was. Uh, um, preparing myself for this character
0: not to give too much away um about your character's involvement in the plot, but he has this one line that's basically people have the right to know everything, which is something we talk about a lot today. Have you thought about yourself that um what do you think
1: I think uh, everyone has the right to know everything which uh, has to do with his life and who, which is influencing. His life or her life, you know, this is important. I mean, I think that we should know what we, what we, what we're, what we're in, what we're, where we're living, how we're living, what we're, cons- what we're consuming, you know, like food or, or things we buy, how are they produced, produced, or where are we spending our money on? Who are we uh, supporting with that? Is it what we want to do? This is, these are things I think everybody should know or should have the right to find out if he wants to. I don't think that everybody has the right to know everything about the person next to them because there's a thing called privacy, and uh, I don't want anybody to know everything about me. Like and what, what, what are my thoughts? What am I buying? How am I living? I think this is something. In really rare cases, people should know those things. I mean, if there is a danger coming from somebody for other people's living, then it might then it might be okay to. To have this information, but it's very difficult to decide. I don't want to be the one who has to decide. Uh, you know this.
0: Is there a limit um, of what we should know of what the government is doing in terms of foreign affairs or things like that? As in the movie, for example.
1: Well, you know what the what the government is doing. I think is um, very important that it is possible to 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 yeah to get this information because the government is is doing it. I think every government should. Should be doing its job for the people for for the country and for for the people who are living in this country it 's not about them doing their job doing their well it's about them doing their job, but their job is to take care of of the people who trust them who trust in them, who wants to be protected, who wants to live a good life and um, this is this is their business they are they're, they're doing their job in the name of those people you know it's just like you know if I go uh, if I hire someone to help me out with, with let's say my car, and my car is broken, and I say and I say to him, please uh, uh, fix it, and then he's going to then he says, okay, I'm going to fix it, and then I can let him do his job, and on the other day I get my I get my fixed car back, you know, that's fine, but I don't know what he did to, to fix it. If he if he if he, if he did some things I'm not comfortable with to fix my car, I don't want him to do that. I don't know maybe he I don't know if he, if he steals the tire of another car, <laughs> I don't want him to do that you know if he if he buys it legally, then it's fine and I, I want to have the opportunity if I go to that guy and ask, let me see how you do it, then it must be possible to see it, and then I can decide if I want to support this guy, if I want to have my car repaired in his in his garage or in somewhere, somewhere else and this is this is very important, so this is. This is the same thing, I think, with with governments. I I hope that's not too naive to say, but I think that should be the case.
0: He's on a computer. You have to
1: stop this. If he puts those files online, operations will be compromised and people will die. Yes, sir. At least when you're done, leave me the files. These programs have to be exposed. People have a right to know.
0: You had an established career here in Europe. You had just ended a successful run on your series, Alarm for Cobra. I understand that you were not really expecting this call from Hollywood, that you were actually on your way somewhere else. Can you tell me what happened?
1: <laughs> I was really not expecting it. I, I, actually, I was in India while the the, the call came in. and uh, Because, you know, I just ended the show. And um, I, I did, just before I, I left India, I, I did the audition for, for this. And you know, and, and I do a lot of auditions all the time and, and, and if if there if there is a response, it's it's nice to hear, but it's really rare, especially if the movie's that big. I mean they're 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 looking for for a for for really a good part and they want to have the best guys and they're looking all over the world for this, especially in this case. They don't need it, you know. A guy who is you know an american or, or or an english guy which 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 gives me a good chance to get it, but even then um I have a lot of colleagues that are good and uh, I, you know i i didn't think of getting a call back <laughs> and then it and then it happened and it was very very uh, yeah, it was shocking in a good way.
0: <laughs> so, were you in India when the call came and had to leave, or what? Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I, I was there. I was planning to stay there for four weeks, and I, in the end, I was uh, there for three weeks. I had to leave one week earlier, but uh, and flew directly from India to 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 London, if you want. Yeah, because I first I had a little stop in 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 Berlin to get another. Stuff you know, like the clothing, just on the weather in London, because in India it's a little warmer. And uh, yeah, that's that's how it happened. And then I arrived there and I did the job, and it was like a dream.
0: <laughs> Can you compare a little bit what it was like uh, for you coming from a German European industry and and working with in this big Hollywood production?
1: Well, if you want to, if you want to look at the differences, I mean, of course, they are doing the same thing that we all do when we are shooting movies, but the most um Impressive thing there for me was was the time they have. The time they have to to achieve what they are looking for. You know, like if you're a creative, it's always good to have time. To, so to, they have to more time, at, you mean? They have a lot more time. I mean, compared to the productions I was in before, and it was not the first American uh, production I did, and not the first big one. But but it's always when I'm in one of those, then it is like. It's the time. They have a lot of more time for for the scene they're shooting, and so everybody is more relaxed and and can really dig in the art of what they're doing. And this is this is heaven. This is really heaven. If nobody's rushing you, I mean, in this case, nobody was rushing me. I don't know. Of course, there's a limit even in those productions, but it's higher, way higher than it is in other productions I worked in before.
0: And you had um, a chance to see Paul Greengrass at work, who's really a very specific director and does this amazing handheld camera. How would you describe him um, directing you?
1: I mean, he's working with us. He's really working with us. And and he's asking us, how do you think that scene should be? How do you think he should talk? He should walk? He should should be. And uh, that was interesting because I didn't, I didn't expect that, that I, that I can, that I can, you know, tell him my thoughts. And then he is, that he's really uh, accepting it. That he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. Let's, let's, anyway, let to do it that way. And then we did that way. And then we tried another one and then he asked me, what, what did you, what did you prefer? Which, which one did you like more? And I said that one. And he's like, he's like, yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And I stood that way. And that was, that was a moment where I was like, wow, that was so, so cool. I mean, really working together with him. You know, like, if you, if you, if you meet people like that and then you, you have a job and, and you say, I worked with them. Sometimes you go in, you have your scene, you do it, and then you go out. And then, of course, you worked, but you not worked, you did not work together with those guys. <laughs> in that case, I worked together with those guys and this was this was a huge huge pleasure. and you and
0: have a you have a big scene there with with Matt Damon who really is this character for us sort of <laughs> he yeah. is Jason Bord. I mean I had
1: the, I had the big luck to have this scene together with Matt uh, and it is only the two of us in one room so we shot that for several days and if you are in one scene together with with, with, with a colleague of course you you talk of course you you spend time together and that was you know, it was sometimes really, really hard for me to believe. I was shaking my head and he saw this and he said, are you right? And I said, yes. It's just, it's just, uh, uh. Um just feels a little untrue to be here <laughs> because you know. And, and, and he, he he laughed and he said, "No, you're, you're doing a good job. You're doing great. You're doing great. Don't worry. It was fun. It was really fun.
0: I understand that actor director Kevin Spacey was a bit of a, a mentor for you. Is that true? And and, and how? What was his advice?
1: Oh, I I'm, met I'm, I'm Kevin Spacey. Uh, I think it was in two thousand and seven or six when he was doing Beyond the Sea. And he shot this movie about Bobby darren He shot this movie in, in Berlin. So uh, I got the chance to meet him for an audition and got the part. And um, and yeah, we, we shot this movie together. He was directing it and he was, of course, playing Bobby Darren. And that's the way we met. And on the shooting day, we, we, we worked together. And that was a great experience as well. He's, he's one of those those guys who are really... Yeah, again, working with the colleagues and working with everybody else. And actually, I didn't have a lot of lines in the scene. And he, he, he looked at me, and I and he saw how I was doing it. And then he came and he said, Is it okay if we give you some more lines to, to say? And he said, yes, of course. And and, and I was like, oh, uh, he's doing it because my English wasn't that good that day. At that time, I was you know out of school, and I had some experience of talking English. But... But I was like, okay, he gave me some lines. He gave me some lines, and it was, it was about five more lines. And then, and I had some time again. The time machine was was working for me, and I went to 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 my trailer and I practiced these lines for hours and hours and hours and hours. So like I was waiting, I think for two or three hours, and then I practiced, it. and I came back and and, and I did that, and uh, uh, and it was great. It was it was okay, and he said. He said, well, you do a pretty good job, and um, I think you should work on your on your English. If you do this, you could uh, go further in your career. So I said, okay, how do I do it? And he said, um, well, I got to help you with that. And, and so I, I, I moved to London for about a year. And uh, and started to learn with a with a vocal coach, which was Julia Wilson Dixon. She is not alive anymore, uh, and she passed away, unfortunately. Very very nice woman. Very 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 good in what she's doing, and she helped me to to achieve the way yeah. I'm, I'm I'm speaking now. And and, and Kevin did the, the hookup. So he was there. He was taking care. He helped me with that. And of course, he's sometimes there if I have a question. I, I, I ask him and he gives me good advice you know, to, to use.
0: Our a Swedish star, Alicia Vikander, is, is of course in your movie. And, and we have so many Swedish um, actors working in Hollywood. Is, is Hollywood attractive for, for you also, German actors? Is that where you would like to work more? You
1: know, it's it's, 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 it's not about Hollywood. It's, it's, it's about productions who have the opportunity to achieve the highest level of what we are doing. And this is most of the time, it's are American productions, like in that case, you know, and that's why, I mean, I grew up with Hollywood, with the, with, with the myth of Hollywood. This is what inspired me to do this job. And this is where I get my inspiration from. I'm, I'm a guy who's going to the theaters and watch movies and TV or the screen of course, I go to, theater, to, to, to theaters as well. I like to see a good play as well. But most of the time, most things I saw about my job, my profession being done by, by idols of mine were movies. You know? And, and this, is, this is where I would love to work and where I do work, where, where I make my living out of. And the best place to do it is, you know, if you want to say, if you want to call it Hollywood, then let's call it Hollywood, but it's just projections who are big enough to, to give you the space you need to achieve the highest level of your art. And this is what I would love to do.
0: And what's next for you? Well Actually, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> India. Actually, I don't know. I just, you have time. I
1: just I, I, this is something I do. This is something I do uh, every year. I, I go there for some, for some weeks to relax, and I go to to, uh, to this treatment. It's an ayurvedic treatment. It's um, you know, if you ayurvedic treatments are, it's a very very old way of medicine. You know, not a medicational, Treatment you get, you know, it's an Indian uh, traditional way of treating people with their, with the, the things they need to be treated on. I mean, if you are, I don't know, if you are stressed, or you have back pain, or you can't sleep very well, or something like that, you go there, and you do this, and they take care of a traditional Indian way, in a traditional Indian way, which just worked good for me. It's just for me, it's like a vacation. I go there because if after I did Cobra, I, I was shooting every day for two years in a row. And I was like doing action scenes every day, and and my body was only hurting <laughs> all <the> time. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved to, to to do physical work as well. But after then, I said. Now let's go somewhere else where I can just relax, where people are taking care of me. I just don't want to lay on the lay lie, lie on the light light down on the beach and have a margarita. Th- I think I want to have something more. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so I did that, and they took they took very good care of me. And it's it's interesting because I did that. Now one and a half years ago, and since then I didn't have anything. I didn't have any back pain. I didn't have any diseases. I, learned, I haven't been sick. I, I, everything is, is like, I don't know what they did to me, but I feel like Superman. Okay. <laughs> so, I so, so I did it again uh, a few weeks ago, actually, and it was the same experience again. So this is something I, rec- I can really recommend.
0: Okay, so, to so you're ready to for... There, your if you're medicine.
1: interested like that. It's nothing spiritual. It's just a, a way of treatment, you know, wellness, in a higher
0: level. Well, then you're ready for your next, next big projects, Mr. Kiefer, thank you so much for taking your time with me. Thank
1: you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Anytime.
0: Thank you so much to Vincent Kiefer. The DVD and Blu-ray version of Jason Bourne has just been released. And now it's an early Christmas present for our Swedish listeners because we have three exclusive Blu-rays of the new complete five-movie Jason Bourne set to give away. The first three of you to email the correct answer to the question that I'm about to ask will win. The email you should use is contest at popcultureconfidential.com. That's contest, C-O-N-T-E-S-T, at popcultureconfidential.com. We'll announce the winners on the Pop Culture Confidential Twitter feed, at Pod pop Culture. You can check the website, too, for email and rules. So, the quiz question to win the box set is... Name all the directors of the five Jason Bourne movies... Name all the directors of the five Jason Bourne movies. That email again is contest at popcultureconfidential.com. Good luck. And thanks again to our guests, Vincennes Kiefer and Dr. Jessica Kuhn. Check back with us next week and visit popcultureconfidential.com for more news and for the backlog of our shows. And go to our Instagram and Twitter feed. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, theme music by Carl Boy, and produced by Rene Wittestet and myself. I'm Christina Jerling biro Thanks for listening.